This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC. Terms and conditions apply. Live from the city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez, America's favorite late night talk program featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. Welcome to the program. If you want to join us on our late-night town hall conversation, feel free, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. And uh, the big story as of uh, this afternoon, this evening, is that there are more charges added to President uh, Trump's probe into his classified documents uh, that have been added. There was uh, previously 37 counts, and Trump had pleaded not guilty to all 37 counts in federal court. Uh, now there are additional counts. Listen to this. So he was charged with an additional count of willful retention of national defense information and two obstruction counts as part of a superseding indictment out of a special counsel, Jack Smith's investigate investigation into his alleged improper retention of classified records. This is a report from Fox news. And, uh, I can't say, you know, there's any sting here, right? Uh, it doesn't seem like anybody's surprised, shocked, dismayed, anything of the above. Even I think the critics are like, yeah, yeah. And you know, what's the, what's the big deal here? Um, now, if anybody here is thinking, look, you can't just steal papers that don't belong to you. You just can't do that. All right. That's that's not the case. And we've explained it several times and have had a bunch of legal experts in here to explain how enemies of Trump's. And it's at this point, I think it's fair to say it's a proven fact that Trump was spied on by the Department of Justice and that they they forged a warrant in the foreign um the foreign, uh, the FISA court, what's the I for there for foreign, uh, something surveillance act. Anybody figure it out, remind me, but the, uh, FISA court and, um, they were happy to, to, um, to spy on him. And now here we are with lawyers, foreign intelligence. Thank you. Foreign intelligence surveillance court. I was drawing a blank. And 
it, it's it's interesting to me to see how these lawyers that want to trip him up are were goading him into this and pick the weekend when he wasn't at Mar-a-Lago. And again, I know I'm preaching to the choir here and kind of reliving the past a little bit, but just to give context. And they use a SWAT team to go so that they could get the footage that they want. And then there were whistleblowers, right? Guys within the FBI that said, you know what, look, they're overdoing this. They're doing it for the sake of a show. This is a show. They want to send the guys in bulletproof vests and, and storm this guy's big, beautiful property because this makes for good television for them. But it's not necessarily what we had to do in this national uh, security crisis that they're saying that was amassed by him holding on to some boxes uh, of um, documents where he he was allowed to have under the Presidential Records Act. So, again, uh, it's my contention that nothing will come from this, that these things will be uh, thrown out of court in one way or another. He'll win. But it doesn't matter. They're not there to, to win. They're not there to put him in jail, although they'd love to. They're there to slow him down. So now, in the uh, superseding indictment that was returned by a grand jury in the Southern District of Florida, that adds now four charges to the prior indictment filed against Donald J. Trump and uh, Walt Nauta. The Justice Department said in a statement uh, Thursday, earlier today, that with one additional count of retaining national defense information and one of obstruction. So this is um, where we are. And I got to tell you, I'm I'm so beyond this. But again, does it matter if, if I'm beyond it or not? I don't think so. I think the point here is they're, they're trying to throw so much at Trump just to, to see whatever can stick to make it look like, look, no matter what this guy does, he's a chronic rule breaker. He's absolutely horrible. He's a racist. He's this and he's that. I disagree. I think we got to look at the record. Forget the rhetoric. Look at the record. See what's what. Anyway, that's that story. Now, I also wanted to get into a story. Well, maybe there's not enough time for that before we move on. But I wanted to talk about the uh, Sam Bankman freed uh, because he was like one of the biggest, I think the biggest um, donor to the Democrats in the last election cycle. And there were some campaign finance charges against him. And they were miraculously dropped by the Department of Justice. (laughs) Uh, That happened today. So we will get to that in in depth a little bit uh, further ahead. But that's the uh, situation on what's going on. Of course, yesterday we broke down what happened with uh, Hunter Biden's plea deal, how that broke down and uh, left his lawyers somewhat dissatisfied and not able to uh, protect him from future indictments and what they're calling an ongoing investigation. And uh, our guest, uh, Doug Burns, surmised that it was because they w- if they say the investigation is ongoing, then it's more difficult um, for them to produce the documents saying, well, we need those right now. It's an ongoing investigation. So we'll see. Or maybe there really is an ongoing investigation into other things that, that uh, Hunter did. Don't know, but I can tell you it doesn't look great. I don't think anything will happen to him. Uh, ultimately, he's going to be fine. But it doesn't look good for his dad's reelection. It doesn't look good for his reputation of saying, you know, he's a, he's a straight arrow. I don't think that's helping them out in any way. So we've got a bunch to talk about tonight. We've got a lot of interesting guests. We've got scheduled to be with us a little bit later as a former Trump attorney. And uh, he's done a lot of other things besides being a former Trump attorney. He was also deputy attorney general of the United States during the Reagan years. He was also 
United States attorney for the um, Southern District of New York. He was also the mayor during the 9-11 attacks in New York City. Uh, None other than Rudy Giuliani, America's mayor. He's scheduled to be with us in a little bit. So we're going to get his take on a few things. Apparently the migrant crisis, uh, the illegal aliens in New York City are out of control. Out of control. And even the mayor is now turning on them. Uh, Eric Adams saying, please, no mas. He can't take it anymore. Then we've got this uh, very interesting um, article that's talking about the decline in patriotism, in particular amongst young people. And we talked about that survey from Gallup a couple of weeks ago. But I want to get Mayor Giuliani's take on that as well, because ultimately um, the Democrats are very soft on crime, very very pro-crime in many ways, calling it progressive. And you've also got this situation where it's almost untenable. I've got a friend that works uh, in Times Square, and and she's been there for a long time. And she's the first one to say, you know what? It's not what it used to be. She's fearful, walks home holding her mace, and I don't blame her because it's a dangerous place, and, and it's only getting more dangerous. It, it doesn't seem to be getting better despite the, the recent change in leadership with the police department. So we're going to get into that as well and a whole lot more. Don't go anywhere. Let me give you the phone number again, 833-482-5337. I will be taking uh, calls on that topic um, in a little bit, 482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. Uh, by the way, your ratings are up. Congratulations, somebody. It's always nice to check. I like to see, even if they're friends, I like to see how are they doing. Are people listening, right? That's but right. You're, you're doing great. America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. And something I wanted to get into was a little bit of what happened on Capitol Hill today. Now, you've got Adam Schiff. He's on Capitol Hill. And he wants to go on and on. Now, this is funny because Adam Schiff literally was the guy who led the impeachment against Trump. However, it's that same Adam Schiff that is now saying, and I like to call him Schiff for brains, Adam Schiff for brains. He says that it's the Republicans desire to impeach someone, anyone, no matter if there's any evidence, just shows how they've descended into chaos. And I'm thinking, uh, isn't that exactly what we saw the Democrats do, where they lied about Trump? They they used the authority and power of law enforcement to spy on the guy, to try to get information, to to frame him, to say that he was urinating on Russian hookers. I mean, the things they came up with were astounding. Having an FBI lawyer that was indicted for lying and doctoring documents so that forging documents so that they could get this uh, FISA warrant. I mean, it just, it's incredible. And this is why I always say, 
few people are as good at being so duplicitous, so full of crap as Adam Schiff. Uh, and now I would say Stacy Plaskett. I think she shares in his ability to just straight lie in your face um, with 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 no regard for the truth. Listen to Adam Schiff. I think the Republican desire to impeach someone, anyone, uh, no matter whether there's any evidence, just shows how they have uh, descended into, into chaos. So there they say it's descending into chaos. Uh, I don't think it's it's chaos that they're trying to impeach someone for not living up to their to their job. But this is what they want you to believe. This is what they want to how they want to try and fool the American public. And this is, you know, look, I, I don't I hate to get into this to, to make it sound like I'm just here to bash the Democrats, although that's usually what I'm doing. But it's not really my, my sole intention. I'm really just trying to bash the people that I think are not doing it right. And, and these guys are not doing it right. And that's why I bash McConnell, too, because he's also not doing it right, even if he's not well. And if he's not well, I wish him the best. But when you have someone like Schiff or even Karine Jean-Pierre, um, who, you know, again, today now saying, um, let's see if she's telling the truth, right? Because yesterday, look, we're not going to do that. But she gave a very good statement the other day where I think she kind of dodged a question like a good press secretary should. But today... KJP says that Joe Biden will not pardon Hunter Biden. Now, that's a revelation that we hadn't heard before. Listen to this. Let me go back to the first question of the briefing. I know you said not a lot's changed since yesterday, and that it's a personal matter. But from a presidential perspective, is there any possibility that the president would end up pardoning his son? No. Well, is there a- I, I just said no. I just that's answered. Go ahead. Go ahead. Now, I appreciate that because you know what? I, I've always believed um, that that would be the case. And, and again, part of me thinks, well, he won't do it from today forward because maybe he's done it already, right? With a blanket approval. <laughs> like, as long as I'm alive, Hunter can do what he wants. And, it, you know, I mean, you can get very crafty with these, um, with these pardons. But she went on and they were um, discussing whether or not the, you know, of course, she's always saying she doesn't want to get into whether, uh, you know, any conversation about Hunter. We're not going to talk about it. It's a personal matter, blah, blah, blah. But she's happy to get into it when she says, no, they've never received any preferential treatment. And I think this is tough, right? It's tough because I think most people, whatever side of the aisle they're on, some people just live in, you know, pie in the sky, fantasy land, right? Candy land, if you will. But not everybody lives there. Like, I realize that people who have power and authority usually will um, have some sort of discretion or sway or influence on what happens to their children, right? They Maybe they're able to get them into a better school. Maybe they're able to, you know, one hand washes the other, and I get how that works, and that's a, a reality. That's not just making stuff up. That's a real thing. So if somebody were to tell me whether they're giving the president's son a sweetheart deal, which, again, I've seen on the news, uh, the, my initial reaction is, yeah, that makes sense. I don't, I don't agree with it, but I, I, I expect it to happen. Now, I think if you want to be above reproach, you want to come out in front of that and say, look, I'm not going to get anything preferential. And you actually go out of your way to say, look, Merrick Garland, if you are the president, 
I don't want any preferential treatment. Throw the book at my kid because we've got to make an example starting here. But you got to do that publicly. Now, Biden didn't do anything like that. But Karine Jean-Pierre says, no, absolutely not, that there is no preferential treatment from the Department of Justice. Listen to this. Can you state categorically that the administration has neither sought nor received favorable treatment from the DOJ for any investigation into the president, members of the administration, his family, or uh, former President Donald Trump? Absolutely not. The Department of Justice is independent. The president respects the rule of law. He has been saying that since he was before president. uh, And that will remain the case. So this is interesting to me because clearly, clearly we're we're seeing something else. Now, the the question was um, sought or received. Okay, maybe he didn't seek it. I would I would I could potentially believe that. But that they didn't receive it. Come on. We, we had that whole discussion yesterday. Like you literally had his lawyers trying to get him immunity in every district and and on every crime imaginable, uh, even outside of the ones that he was being charged in. And which is why the, the judge used the word. Uh, it was uh, unusual, I think, unusual or atypical or something like that. Um, this is this is important, right? These are important things to note. If you're trying to read between the tea leaves and look at the situation for what it is, you've got to realize that this is not how that's going down, right? Hunter Biden got a deal that the rest of us wouldn't have gotten. We had a former chief of the criminal division of the Department of Justice uh, in the Southern District, I mean, uh, the Eastern District in New York, Doug Burns. And he said if you and I had done what Hunter Biden did, that we'd get jail time, that he'd never seen anybody get a diversionary program for lying on a federal form. So, uh, you know, w- without actually being an addict or something like that, right? Because, again, Hunter Biden was an addict, but he's not currently an addict. So this everything seemed unusual. That's called preferential treatment, right? That's the favoritism that I think everybody's talking about, the two-tiered or multi-tiered system of justice that we hear so much about. So to... For KJP, it to, in one sentence actually makes sense, and in the next, to go back to her usual ways, I guess is to be expected, but it's still not legit, right? She's just she's not telling the truth, she's not being forthright, or she's incredibly naive. One or the other, I don't know. Um, I'm gonna go with uh, not being forthright because incredibly naive, I think, is giving her a pass. Anyway, uh, there's a lot more I want to discuss. Uh, plus, I think we're trying to. Uh, repair our phone lines because something happened to our phone lines. I mentioned we were going to bring our guest on, uh, America's Mayor Rudy Giuliani, and the next thing you know, the phone lines freeze up. So we're going to get to fixing that if if hopefully we can get our engineers on that so that we can um, connect with Mayor Giuliani. If not, we're going to continue with everything that we've got. I've got uh, a little bit of a message from Trump discussing how the Republicans need to vote early so that Democrats can't rig the polls. I think that's a good idea. Waiting till election day gives a lot of time for a lot of things. Just imagine. Imagine if you wanted to do something that was untoward and you knew you had X amount of days to do it. Wouldn't you want to wait till the very end where nobody would catch you or be able to um, audit what you're doing? Of course you would. Well, that's what happens. So uh, we'll hear from Trump uh, on the other side of this as well. Plus your phone calls, uh, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. Your calls and more are coming up 
and always welcome to chime in at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. Don't go anywhere. We're coming right back. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. glad to be on your show, Rich. It's just an amazing broadcast that I hope the rest of America listens to every day. America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. Again, the phone number 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. And earlier I mentioned President Trump, 45th president of the United States, put out a video message just yesterday where he said that Republicans need to vote early so that Democrats can't rig the polls. And this is a, um, again, I think people, some people get lost in when they hear him say rig, they're like, oh, that's it. They throw their hands up in, in disbelief and they just, oh, they want to cry. But others um, like me, I, I disregard that. I, I don't care about the rigging of the polls. I care about voting early because it's the way to go. It's really how you get momentum, right? You, if, if you play like you're behind, you're going to play better because you're always trying to win. If you play like you're ahead, there's no room to catch up should you fall behind. It makes all the sense in the world to me. But here's Trump in a video that he put out on Truth Social. Listen to this. For too long, radical Democrats have abused and taken advantage of absentee and early voting laws to build a big lead over Republicans before Election Day. While Republicans have worked to share our beautiful values with voters, Democrats and dangerous groups funded by the far left have simply focused on collecting ballots. That's all they wanted to do, collecting ballots. But you know what? It turned out to be not such a bad idea. This must change for us to win in 2024. We may not like the current system, but we need to master the rules and beat the Democrats at their own game, and then we can make our own rules. Republicans must get tougher and fight harder to cast our votes and get our ballots turned in earlier so Democrats can't rig the polls against us on Election Day. We cannot let that happen. They rigged the election in 2020. We cannot let that happen in 2024. So what happens here is, again, people are somewhat selective with this stuff, but I I think Trump's 100 percent right. When he says the election was rigged, it was in so many ways. Right. There's so many things that happened, whether it was these drop boxes that were in many ways um, illegal. Right. It, it just they were in the wrong place. They, the way they were went about in being installed and created and paid for with the uh, Zucker bucks. And I know somebody will call in now and say, no, no, no. Look, they took that to court. and You guys lost fair and square. I get that. And I and I really respect you on that. I really do. 
But I'm talking about the ones where they weren't allowed, right? And they said, okay, you know what? We can't. We're not doing that again. They were too close to each other or they were found to be in, only in the wrong areas. So there was – this is technically – it's not a splitting of hairs, but it is because when people harp on end about how many court cases did he lose – and again, I don't want to do this forever – but this wasn't about losing cases. In many cases, this was the court not even agreeing to take a case. That doesn't count as a loss. That's just a case that didn't go forward in court, number one, to be technical. Number two, I'm talking about these cases in particular, like, you know, I used to host in, in uh, Philly, WPHT. And I can tell you that in, in Pennsylvania, it was found after the fact that, yeah, it was indeed a violation, that they, they should not have been changing everything in the name of COVID. And everybody agreed that things went too far and that these decisions were being made unilaterally by, by those that were not elected by just bureaucrats. So I think it's important to remember that. And when you hear the term rigged, it's, it's all encompassing, right? This isn't just mean fraud or machines or this or that or the other. There's a lot of ways in which this thing was rigged. And in my opinion, the mail-in ballots was the biggest way. It was the biggest way because it's the hardest way to prove and the easiest way to get caught up in some sort of fraud. And the Carter-Baker Commission report uh, outlined that, as did um, uh, the former attorney general at the time, Barr. He said the same thing. And I think most, most of the nations in Europe have gone away from mail-in balloting because of the same reason. It's susceptible to fraud. So why would somebody do that? Why would we intentionally go that way? Well, in the name of COVID. All right, got it. Now that we know that's the wrong thing, we have to vote early and often, like Trump said. Otherwise, we're going to get caught out there. Now, I want to switch gears to a hot day. It was a hot day today. And I'm not a weatherman, but it was hot. And I don't usually go into Manhattan during the daytime. Uh, I like to be there in the afternoon or evening because, you know, it's just a little bit cooler and it is hot. But I was in the city early today. And, man, it was hot. It was a real hot day and so hot that my president, Joe El Baboso Biden, he decided to say, listen, it's MAGA extremists that are trying to undo my climate progress. And maybe that's why it's so hot today. And uh, I think he's just silly for even thinking that. Um it's just MAGA extremists that are trying to undo his climate progress. I think it's um, other Republicans, too, right? I, I think there's a lot of people that are against his crazy climate policies. Listen to this. And all my investing in America agenda, we provided a record $50 billion for climate resiliency to restore wetlands, manage wildfires, help Americans in every state withstand extreme heat. But... Our MAGA extremists, Congress, are trying to undo all this progress. Not a single one of them, not a single Republican voted, voted for the Inflation Reduction Act, which had all this money in it for climate, which provides funding to, to combat climate change. And now many of them are trying to repeal those provisions. We're not going to let that happen. So Biden says it's the MAGA extremists that are trying to undo his climate progress. And he's not going to let it happen. Listen, uh, obviously, he's not going to let anybody get in the way of 
of his climate progress because these are the things he's proud of. He's proud of making progress on on reverse racism. He's proud of making progress on on what he's done to the American military in the name of uh, wokeism. He's proud of of all of these really um, left leaning uh, policy uh, choices because that's the um, the deal he had to make to win. Right. Bernie was in a pretty good spot, Bernie Sanders, and they had to make a deal. And Warren was still in the game, Senator Elizabeth Warren. And I remember how that went down. Buttigieg was starting to to, to get a lot of speed, getting some um, some momentum. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Joe El Baboso Biden gets the nomination. How? He had to agree. He had to agree to certain deals. He had to, to make certain arrangements. That's how politics works, right? So he makes these deals, and now he has to make them happen. He's got to get out there and say these speeches where he says, I'm not going to let anybody get in the way of it. Of course not, because they might try and get him. They might try to unseat him and put in AOC or put in Kemalaitis, the vice president, vice president Kemalaitis. So it's a scary proposition, I think, uh, for Joe Biden to turn against the extreme left of his party and he'd rather just call every last Republican out there who's somewhat traditional or a little bit conservative, call them a MAGA extremist, and just call it a day. I don't think most of us are buying it. I know that I'm not. Let me know your thoughts. 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Valdez. All right, we continue. Now, check this out. The other day I was scrolling on my social media and I saw the, I saw some reactions. I've been seeing a lot of these. I just, um, I find them remarkable because several people from, uh, you know, different parts of the country have been chiming in with their, their uh, response, their reaction to this song from Jason Aldean. And I think we, a, we played a clip of that song the other day, but I'm happy to play it again. It's about just, you know, how like you can't pull that off in a small town. Don't come here with, you you know, trying to burn buildings down and loot stores and whatever, because, you know, you're, you're going to find yourself in a world of hurt. And, and I, I think, you know, people are taking it so out of proportion. But uh, if you haven't heard the song, here's a clip of the song. That's Jason Aldean and the song is called small town and the response has been great i mean you hear it it's a moving video it's a moving um, message in the song and i think one a lot of people can get behind but i i've been hearing some reaction to it and some of the the most um colorful and that's probably a bad word to use here uh, i don't mean it in, in any derogatory way but the analysis and and reaction that i've gotten with the most with the most passion has has been from African-American members of the community that said, shoot, we do the same thing in our neighborhood if you try that, right? And some tight-knit neighborhoods just roll that way. 
they stick together. And there was one woman, um, and I've seen a couple, and if I find the rest, I'll, I'll play them for you. But this one I know we have available. And um, where, wherever there was a, a curse, we bleeped it out. But it was just spot-on analysis. Listen to this. Jason Alding. So I wanted to listen to the song, Try That in a Small Town, that everybody was saying was so racist, and he was, like, targeting black people and poor us again, right? There was nothing racist about that damn song. Let me tell you what I got from the song. It sounded like to me he was basically telling you, you cannot come to a small town and commit crimes and do whatever the f*** you want, or you're not going to make it too far down the road before somebody f*** you up. He's, to me, singing about community the way it should be in these big cities. This is why in a big city somebody can kidnap your child and nobody says nothing. No snitching, no snitching, no snitching. They got a community there in small towns. They look out for each other. That's what he's saying. That, to be honest, we need to be more like that. And because we're not, that's why y'all took that as racist. There was nothing racist about that. How did y'all get that he was talking about black people? You know why y'all thought he was talking about black people? Because y'all are nothing like that. That's why. Yet, y'all take these rappers of today and let them talking about raping women, drugging women, killing kids and grandmothers and killing each other, and y'all give them awards. Y'all clap for them. Best award, best award. But then when a white man talk about standing up for his community and, and, and living in a small town and how they love on each other and look out for their neighbors, y'all took that and said, he's targeting black people. What? The mother that's targeting you is the other fellow black people. That's who's targeting you. This world is so weird, it don't make no sense. Black people, you're projecting, you're projecting. He wasn't talking to y'all. Unless you about to come down there and try to do some weird like rob one of them or something. Then yes, he's talking to you. He's also talking to other white people that grew up in the city that'll go down there in the town and try to something up. They don't allow that there, as they shouldn't. Like we shouldn't allow in our communities either. He, you know what, I can't, I can't deal with you. Black people are so quick to call something racist and, uh, and, and, and so quick to call something violent when it ain't another black person. When it's another black person, you know what they do? They, they let them kill your kids. They let them rob your stores. They let them kill your grandmother, shoot up parties and all that. That's not racist because it's other black people doing it. But when a white man stand up and say that we should be standing up for our communities and, and if somebody do come to your community and do something to one of your neighbors, y'all need to back your mother neighbor up, then he only could be talking about black people. Ain't that a Find something to do. Black people, y'all got bigger fish to fry. We got bigger fish to fry than trying to cancel this man for telling y'all what they won't allow. What? Find something to do. Find something to do. Leave this man alone. Um, Mr. Aldean, I have no problems with your song, and I'm probably going to play the today just to be funny. Like, for real. Like... <laughs> I love it. I think she did a great job. I think her analysis is spot on. And again, it's her opinion, uh, but I, I tend to agree with it uh, in many ways. And I, where I would disagree is I don't think it's black people per se that think something's racist versus I think that this is uh, usually it's coming from, again, the left within the media, right? That right away they, they want to call Al Sharpton. They want to bring on these guests on CNN or MSNBC and say, what's your reaction to this? Why do you feel that way about that? And again, they're free to do it. But I find it just so interesting that that's always the approach. And right away, it's always it's racist, you know, and then people say, oh, Al Dean caved because the uh, BLM riot video that was in his video for Small Town. 
uh, has been removed from the video. Um, turns out that it was there was a little bit more to that. Uh, the try that in a small town, excuse me, is what it's called, uh, because the production company put the video with from Fox in the song without or in the music video without their permission. So some sources connected to the music video production have told TMZ that back when they were producing the video, the company that produced it reached out to Fox on May 8th and asked for permission to use the six seconds of video shot by Fox 5 Atlanta showing violence at a Black Lives Matter rally. Uh, They were told by folks that at Fox that they wanted more information, specifically the lyrics of the song. And TMZ has been told that the production company sent Fox a link to the song, which was released May 19th, but the protocol was to send the lyrics and writing, which they never did. The music video was released July 14th, and the footage was in the video uh, projecting on the courthouse behind Jason Aldean. Right, So it was you know a, a video playing behind him on the building. And um, Fox reached out to the production company and asked them to remove the video to avoid any legal action which was described as a polite ultimatum. And the company complied by removing the video to not get a lawsuit. I say they should have found similar footage from somewhere else. They got cleared, but ultimately that's what it was. So a lot of people were saying, oh, they bullied Jason Aldean. I think he just had his people had to make a decision on the fly of following the rules and, you know, got not getting into uh, an issue. But point is, it's just amazing how hard they go, right? When people were actually burning buildings down and doing everything they're describing in this song, there wasn't this much furor. But uh, now everybody's up in arms over him playing the video of the bad people doing bad things. That's just, uh, it's so beyond the pale. But that's where we are as a society. And I think that's why we have to get together every day to get uh, into a, a, a conversation nationally where we can say, you know what, we can't stay here. Anyway, there is more to come straight ahead. Don't go anywhere. Don't move a muscle. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Rich Valdez, who again will do a fine job, but I know you'll enjoy listening to it. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, I was going to say, let's go to the phone. The phone isn't working. It's the deep state. They're at it again. So we're going to continue with uh, some of these funny clips that I've gotten. I've got some funny clips today, I tell you. Well, this one's not so funny. We'll do that at the top of the next hour. Well, one of these young ladies that was suckered into transitioning as a teenager and uh, detransitioned and is is now an activist uh, telling people, look, you can't do this. We'll get to that in a little bit because uh, there was a whole hearing on that earlier today. And, uh, and we had a really good conversation on that not too long ago. So I won't get to that now, but I just want to put that out there uh, for, for the next segment. And something else that we're going to talk about a little bit later is in addition to that, is some of the crazy stuff that's going on. I mean, really crazy stuff. Like um, 
this one, there was five Florida school employees that were fired for failing to report the sexual assault of a student. How do you just forget? Right? And I, maybe they didn't forget, but they failed to do it. You can't do that. We saw that happen in Virginia, and we had that dad. I think his name was Scott Smith. We had him on this program. That was a very moving story. Again, I guess it was moving to me because I'm a dad, uh, but absolutely horrible. And uh, we'll get to that as well. There's a few other things out there in addition to what we talked about. So don't go anywhere, folks. We're just getting started. We're going to do some old-fashioned radio here. Uh, No phone calls and no guests. Just you and me and this live air, and I love it. Don't go anywhere. I am Rich Valdez. the city that never sleeps 17 miles from madison square garden new york city it's america at night with rich valdez america's favorite late night talk program featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across america and now here is your host rich valdez Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media, your liberty-loving Latino amigo. Happy to be here with you on this Thursday night edition of the program. Our phone number, I'm going to give it to you because I think we may have gotten the phone system figured out. We kicked the deep state out of here. So here's the number, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. And, of course, you can always chime in online on the social media at Rich Valdez. And I want to I talk about this um, young lady, Chloe Cole, who testified in Congress. But before I do, I want to talk about wokeism and uh, how feminists have run amok. And there, there's, again, I haven't seen this Barbie film that everyone's um, talking about. I've never had an issue with Barbie in my entire life. I was more of a G.I. Joe guy. And But I've had daughters, and they like Barbie a little bit, but they really like the American Girl doll better. Uh, so th- this is of, of very little consequence to me because I, I, I don't know much about it. But I see some people having a fit. I see others saying not such a big deal. I tend to be more of not such a big deal than the others because, again, I believe in the free market. I believe you should be able to make a film, whether I like it or not. I don't call for the ban of, of every film I don't like that, you know, I, I call for the ban of, of governments instituting situations where, or, or curricula or anything like that. You know, drag queen story hour, that's a big deal. This is different. These are young, impressionable children. It's the government doing that, right? Now, if parents want to do that on their own, this is why I don't like it, but I, I can't say anything about it. What can I say? You're, you're, you're a scumbag because you want to take your kid to a drag show and, they're going to use uh, sex toys in this drag show. I, I will do it. Sure. I use my free speech all the time, but they're able to do what they want to do. And unless it's illegal or somebody says, you know what? I think you're being an irresponsible parent. We're screwed, right? There's nothing we can do. And with a movie, we don't have to watch it. But that's my take on that. And that's why I haven't really jumped into this debate too much. But others have made a lot of um, inferences about this movie. And I'm, I'm willing to listen to both sides of the story. And that's why I wanted to bring in my friend Lauren Conlon. You've heard her on this program before. 
former colleague of mine on the radio in New York City. She's got an excellent interview program, uh, Lauren Interviews. She also has another one that's like focused on true crime. We're going to let her tell us about that. Uh, but I want to welcome her now. Lauren Conlon, welcome back. Hi, Rich. I miss you. Thanks for I having me. I miss you, me. too. What's going on? How you been? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. It's been way too long. Seriously, way too long. Yeah, so I saw you on television the other day, and I was actually going to do a hit on, on Newsmax that day, too. And I said, man, had I gone to the studio, I would have seen you. Uh, but oh, you did a great my gosh, job. that would have been so fun. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. I think I scare everybody sometimes. But you know what? <laughs> Keeps them on their toes, right? <laughs> Only the thin-skinned. So let's talk about this, Lauren Conlon, because I, I know yeah. that you uh, you keep your finger on the pulse of these things. And in, in a situation like this, again, I, I kind of just put my feelings out there. If I don't like something, I don't do it. But not everybody mm-hmm. feels the same way. So what's your take on on this Barbie movie? Uh, apparently, it's crushed the box office expectations. It's done way better than anticipated. So we can't say go woke, go broke. Um, is it a bastion of wokeism? Um, because again, it's a, it's a movie about a doll and it's like geared at adults, right? That grew up with yes. this doll, right? Yes. Yes. No, you're absolutely right. And so to be fair, I have not seen the movie yet, but I have looked extensively into this. Okay. And I tend to agree with you on a lot of things. Like if you don't like it, don't go see it. So a lot of conservative men do have a problem with this film because they really feel like it's anti-men and it's, it's just very disrespectful to men. And they've said, hey, if we made a movie, you know, that was we, where we treated women like this, you know, it would be totally different. And I'm kind of scratching my head. Like, I feel like women get mistreated in so many movies and get depicted as dumb. And you know what I mean? And it's just like you can't. I, it's just not a conversation, I guess. I'm just like, it's the Barbie movie. Um again, don't go see it or do go see it. But I did mention this on Newsmax as well, where Ted Cruz made a really big deal. This map that was drawn in Barbie for one scene. It's a crayon map, literally Mm -hmm. a crayon map. And it does show the nine dash line, um, which is very controversial. And so he is saying, you know, this, this movie is pro China, but if you don't really pay attention to geopolitics, then, you know, it won't matter to you. And I'm like, I'm sorry, do you think people in the audience are like, oh, my gosh. Like, you know what I mean? It's just like the little kids that are seeing it. Because little kids are seeing it. It's not a kid movie. But, I mean, and I'm not letting my kids see it yet um, until I see it. But I just can't imagine that that is really bothersome to people. You know what I mean, Rich? Yeah. And I just want, for the audience who's listening, the, the nine dash line is the um, what kind of uh, cordons off this section of the South China Sea. And this is why the movie was banned by Vietnam. Is this correct? That's correct. It's not. I mean, so it's not necessarily banned. I did say it was banned. It just hasn't been approved to be shown in theaters in Vietnam. So I guess essentially, I don't know if that's the same thing, but I don't want to misspeak. Sounds like a ban to me. Okay, cool. If, I, I don't if, know. if I'm not approved on somebody's air, I'm banned. <laughs> right, right. I don't know, Rich. I live in fear of being sued every day, okay? So. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm kidding. I mean, obviously, there are stations yeah. that I'm not on their air. I don't think I'm banned. I could eventually right. make Ex- my way. Exactly. But I get your point. Exactly. They're still not hearing it, and they're still not right. getting this film. So, mm-hmm. especially with a film, it's not like a radio show where I eventually uh, stations could get me on. Um, if you don't get the Barbie movie now, you're not going to get it because it's not going to be in theaters forever. 
Yeah, I agree. And and look, like I also said, a movie is is an expression of art. You know, this is it's not meant to be. Uh, it's it's uh, purely for entertainment purposes. So I really enjoyed Little Women, which Greta Gerwig directed um, previously. This that was her last movie before Barbie. So I mean, it, it's like it's her. You know, it's her film. This is how she chose to direct it. So if you don't like it, skip it. Right. And listen, I take that approach on a lot of things, and that's why I skip a lot of things. Um, mm. But I, 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 I won't um, take exception to, to Senator Cruz because I think this is it's important to point it out, not necessarily for Barbie, but for all of Hollywood. Right. And I think for for uh, mm-hmm. this is older than you and I both. You know, there was once a president of the Screen Actors Guild, uh, an actor mm-hmm. from California. His name was Ronald Reagan. He did a lot of Westerns mm-hmm. and he was fighting diligently against wokeism in film so and and his and one of the other ones before him was john wayne another one that was saying the communists are trying to take over so it it is um i should it should concern all of us that you know this film is depicting the nine dash line and they're going out of their way to show that uh, because this is created by by the people's republic of china and again i realize if my kids see this they're they could care less about that, right? Uh, right. I get that right. part. But I also understand why it would be important to a United States senator who's trying his best to keep communism yes. out of the country and, and doing that in an art form that appeals to so many in with a figure that is iconic in America, right? Barbie. Who doesn't know who Barbie is or her boyfriend, Ken? Right? I think everybody right. knows them. So I get that part of it. But again, the, the, um, the libertarian in me, I say, right. I don't like it. I'm not going. But if there is anything yeah, I can do to call out communism, I'll do that, too. Yeah. And I, you know, I want to add that I I tend to wear a tinfoil hat a lot. And I know that sometimes yeah, I, I sleep I in mine. Take it off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, no, no. I <laughs> no, And I need to take it off sometimes. So I think at this point it was a, an appropriate time for me to say, OK, am I going to sit here and say Hollywood is, is pushing a pro-China agenda? You know what? I'm just going to skip it. I'm I'll just going to skip it. I know. And maybe, you know what? But I'm like, this is not for me. This is not for me. I'm going right. to stick to the Epstein client. And you know why? <laughs> you know you know why? Because, and, and this, is a, this is not what I wanted to talk with you about, but this is a great topic. This mm-hmm. is something I've argued with my brother. My brothers, I have a bunch of brothers. And, and with one of them in particular, he's like, people got under, and I was like, you know what? Make that your purpose in life to be an evangelist mm-hmm. for those things and wake people up that way. Because I yeah. can tell you for me, I see it. I understand it. I just don't, I don't get involved or I do. And I'm, I, and I understand knowing that yeah. this is that. And I try to watch the films that I think are not sympathetic or that are coming from, uh, from a, a, a production company that, that I would rather support. But the reality yeah. is this is how they have this hundred year war on the United States uh, the, the, you know, the unrestricted warfare and, and they've talked about it and written about it. And they say, look, we're going to get you from every angle. And this is one yeah. of the angles where we're going to make you fall in love with our stuff through film, through the arts, through whatever. And we, we start to lose ourselves. And let's not forget China was overtaken by communists through a cultural mm. revolution. So I, I, you know, yeah. I think anybody who studied history could see that happening in America and saying, oh, my gosh, we're in the midst of what looks like a cultural revolution. Yeah. And you know what? You've um, you've actually really made me think for a second just about Ted Cruz's point, like he is a U.S. senator. So that does make more sense as to why he would be concerned and bring that up. And, 
And it's just funny that it's like once I hear another perspective from somebody, I am I am very I'm a great listener and I understand I, I don't necessarily have like a, you know, a hardened opinion on on certain things, C- certain things. I Most do, don't people get me don't. Wrong, but I yeah, I'm very flexible, though. I really will admit when I'm like, hmm, that actually makes sense. And you know what? That actually makes sense, Rich Valdez. Well, you make you. a lot and of sense. Well, I, yeah. thank God. This is why I'm here, right? <laughs> to make sense of it all. But, you know, Lauren yeah. Conlon, it, 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 I always, I've always realized that people don't care, right? This is the truth, right? Yeah. They don't care. This is yeah. why you're so successful, because you Aww. talk about things that are way more interesting than what I talk about. <laughs> I'm talking about <laughs> Barbie right now, <laughs> right? And, and communism. And you talk about yeah. this fun stuff and all these great things like this, uh, this true crime podcast that you have. And I want you to tell oh. us all about it right after the break. Let me give the phone number now that it works again. 833-482-5337 is the phone number. 833-4-VALDEZ. Don't go anywhere. I'm here with Lauren Conlon. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. Welcome back. I'm with Lauren Conlon. Lauren Conlon's an entertainment reporter, and she's got an amazing podcast where she interviews a lot of celebrities. It's called Lauren Interviews, but she's also doing another podcast. Lauren Conlon, tell us all about it. Hi. Hi. I'm so happy to be back, Rich. <laughs> you um, betcha. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, entertainment is wonderful and lovely, but um, sometimes it's just not as fulfilling. So, I, I got an email one day from change.org and it was a mother pleading for someone to help her uh, reopen an investigation into the mysterious death of her son. So it was a petition um, for the DA in Tennessee. This is a case out of Tennessee, out of Franklin. And so I signed it and there was a lot of signatures. There was, I think at this point, now there's about 300,000. At that point, there was about 200,000. So I was just very intrigued um, by this story, and it was heartbreaking, Rich. It was absolutely heartbreaking. So I reached out uh, to, you know, the mother. We ended up speaking, and I did a three-hour interview with her for Lauren Interviews, uh, the podcast you mentioned. And then um, I just decided that, you know what? This story needs an entire podcast dedicated to it. So I've never been an investigative journalist. I in college and communications. So this was, this was very new to me and a different beast. But essentially, her son, Grant Solomon, uh, was killed mm-hmm. in a, uh, I want to call it a mysterious accident with his estranged father as the only witness when Grant was, um, he was 18 years old. So uh, the, the backstory really is that Grant's parents had been fighting over custody, just having crazy, crazy, horrible uh just a domestic battle in court over the kids' custody battles. It was just so ugly. 
And um, Grant's father had accused his mother, Angie, of being um, mentally ill. You know, she he said that she was uh, going to commit suicide. It was just horrible. And she she, you know, went to court and had doctors say this is not true. We've evaluated her. And still uh, a judge sided with Aaron. So this is saying that uh, she was crazy. Like, yeah, well, they didn't necessarily say that. They just completely sided with Aaron on all fronts. So uh, now let me give you a backstory on Aaron. I'm He's just trying to understand by saying she was crazy. Does that mean that they get like a conservatorship or do they become like her not guardian? a conservatorship? He got full custody and she got uh, visitational vis- or I'm sorry, supervised visitation. Okay. Um, it was it was horrible. She was the primary caregiver, you know, for their entire lives. And so it was it was pretty heart wrenching. And so and the reason for this, uh, again, Tennessee, it's it's kind of like the, you know, South Carolina, where the Murdoch case was. It's a yeah. lot of good old boys, this network. So now Aaron again, Solomon the, the, is Murdoch. Yep. He's the one that was Googling how to bury a body. Yeah. I mean, Alec Murdoch. Um, yeah. Yeah. He's making sure that was the same his, guy. Real smart. Yeah, his his wife, his wife and his son and Gloria Satterfeld, his housekeeper. I mean, it's a whole mess. But yeah. So um, Aaron Solomon is or was a very prominent national news anchor. He had ties to Governor Bill Lee. He had ties to this mega church um, called Grace Chapel. Uh, Steve Berger is the pastor at Grace or was the pastor at Grace Chapel. He was on Fox Nation, actually, Steve Berger, for talking about being present at January 6th saying that he was kind of forced out of his church because of this. That is absolutely not true. He's forced out of his church because he's very sketchy, and he also played a hand in this, allegedly. Um, I have Mm. to say that. You know I have to say that. But anyway, (laughs) um, so Aaron Solomon had a lot of connections. So Grant dies. Uh, Basically, Aaron had set up a uh, baseball clinic for him in Gallatin, and Grant didn't want to go. He had not been alone with his father in two years. He did not like his father. He expressed in a court, in in juvenile court, uh, that he was afraid of his father. He was afraid that his father might kill him. This is all on record. So he was already kind of like uh, suspicious about what was going on here, saying this is shady. This guy's not on the level. You're you're correct. But, um, you know, law enforcement in Tennessee doesn't think that. Um, Interesting. Well, I don't want you to spill the beans on everything because I want people to listen to the podcast. Tell tell everybody the name of it and how they can find it. Sorry, uh, the podcast is called Corruption, What Happened to Grant Solomon? But I just want to add that as of today, um, Mandy Matney and Liz Farrell, her team, these were the journalists that actually um, outed Alec Murdoch. And so their podcast, the Murdoch Murders podcast, it's huge. I mean, you know, there's documentaries about it. It's it's crazy. Mm -hmm. They actually came out today and said that basically their Murdoch 2.0 is the Solomon story. So I have to think you were something, Lauren Conlon. I I was and I am and I'm still not stopping um, my investigation because I, you know, I feel like I I have a lot to offer and I have a lot to add. But this is huge. Well, I want everybody to listen to what you have to offer and add. Give everybody the website where they go, where they can um, get all of this. Yeah. So you just, you actually, um, if you want to learn about this case, you can go to the website freedomforgracie.com. That's the number four. And Gracie is just um, spelled with an I-E at the end. And I didn't even get into it, but there's a lot of allegations that were made um, by Grant's sister against her father as well uh, that involved S.A. with sexual assault. So, yeah, it's Let me let everybody know. Folks, Lauren interviews, at Lauren interviews on all the social media. 
Lauren Conlon, thank you for being with us. I really appreciate it. Oh, thanks for having me. You bet. Can't wait to do it again. All right, folks, the phones work again, so we're going to continue with our lineup as scheduled. I'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. I'm Rich Valdez. target range for the federal funds rate by a quarter percentage point, bringing the target range to five and a quarter to five and a half percent. All right, America, welcome back. That's Jerome Powell announcing a um, increase on the interest rate, which again is designed to chill the economy to slow the rate of inflation. And that it is doing with interest rates going up. We're seeing the Sales of homes in June dropped to the slowest pace in 14 years. And let me tell you, there's not a lot of houses out there. Now, I've been looking in the Miami market for a while and just passively looking, not really looking to pull the trigger just yet. But every now and again, I look at things in my area. And the other day, I looked to see what was available in my area, northern New Jersey. And it was incredible to me. I remember a couple of years back, there was a lot on the market. Now, I think there was three homes in my whole neighborhood that were uh, on the market, and they were going for a lot of money. And there's a number of reasons this is happening, but I want to have a little bit of a conversation around that, and that's why we've invited uh, Tyler Kreiss on the show. He's a broker and a real estate um, expert with TK Realty. Tyler, welcome. Yes, thank you, Rich. I appreciate you having me on. Uh, I'm excited to jump into it. Yes, sir. Thank you. I appreciate it. So let's dig into this. I'm looking at an article in CNBC. Uh, it says that home sales were 18.9, so almost 19% lower uh, this June than they were last June. And we haven't seen a slow performance like this since June of 2009. What's yeah, the that's, that's uh, number correct. one reason? What do you think? Number one reason is going to be interest rates, right? What we had in June 2022, while we, that was close to the time that interest rates started to increase, um, however, we're sitting on seven, 7% plus interest rates right now, and that's the biggest thing that is dragging the house closing right now. Now, let me ask you another question, because I, I think from uh, I'm observing things, right? And I'm just I'm looking at mm -hmm. uh, another piece, another CNBC piece uh, from February, and they're comparing the amount of single family homes that are owned by banks. And in the, in 2022, they estimated it at 14 million single family homes were owned by banks that were then subsequently renting them out, which was about 5% of, of the homes on the market. And mm -hmm. they're saying that their prediction is that by 2030, that banks will own that many more homes equaling about 40% of all single-family homes that are on the market will be owned by banks, again, by 2030. And that is interesting because people didn't used to compete with banks to buy a home. 
uh, maybe a building, a commercial property, perhaps. But banks were not always in the real estate business uh, to the degree that they are now. So I think, you know, if you're a first time home buyer, you're like, man, so we've got inflation. Everything's more expensive. Uh, Home prices are up by a lot. We've got the interest rates that are up higher than usual. And now I've got to compete with people with endless pockets, i.e. the banks, to get a house. So how does that affect you and like your business? So the, uh, the institutional buyers, especially in my market here in Dallas-Fort Worth, have been big players, right? There's, there's a number of institutional buyers that own tens of thousands of houses, and they own them, they're property management companies, and they're going to be collecting the rent. Um, our market, what we've seen um, is, yeah, you, you really did have to compete against them a lot when the interest rates were lowered last year. They haven't really been buying, at least in our markets, as high and as fast as they were the previous two years. Because even though our interest rates are high, the institutional interest rates on commercial loans are just as high, if not mm-hmm. higher. So a lot of these these funds are private equity and their individual investor money. However, I'm finding and what I've heard, because I was on the institutional side prior as an acquisitions agent, is it's mm-hmm. getting a lot harder for them to raise capital to be purchasing these houses as well. So while, yes, they're buying part of the inventory, and I do think there's a problem there with them accumulating too much property, I don't see it as a drastic impact on the market today. Okay. Well, and that's good to know. I mean, I think I always want to hear that, right? I think I want to hear that that a young couple that's in their 20s or 30s and either having their first kid or or looking to buy their first home and then start a family, uh, that they have a shot at, at some yeah. in somewhere, you know? I mean, in northern New Jersey, this isn't it, right? Unless they're making yeah. a lot of money, each of them. Uh, there's a lot of markets that are really hot right now, but I think there, there's still a good part of the country where people can live, and, and that's what I want to hear is that people can make it. I've got kids, and I, I want to see them succeed eventually. Right, and... Yeah, everybody, in my opinion, should own a piece of property, right? I was a first-time home buyer before, and my wife and I's story is what we would want for really all the younger Americans to be able to buy buy a home, right? We were able to buy a house, minimum FHA, down. We put probably $14,000 down, sold it five years later, and our equity was over hundred grand. So that you. is the ideal American story. Yep. Yeah, the, the American dream. It was... It was great, and yes, it's harder for first-time home buyers to get into the house due to the interest rates. But with real estate being more of a long-term game, I still see the equity play in it. If you buy today, most of the places, you know, supply and demand. If you're in an area like New Jersey where you have limited space to grow and you're going to buy a house, of course the housing prices are just going to go rise because where are they going to build it cheaper? Right, exactly. And they're just going further and further south. And then the next state over, their prices go up. And it seems like everything's going up, which I think is why real estate's such a solid investment and why mm-hmm. people shouldn't ever turn their back on it. But at the same time, I think it's it's the single best vehicle to amass wealth, generationally, Correct. family wealth. And if it becomes unattainable, then it's like, oh, boy, we've got a problem, Houston. Yeah, we, it would be a big problem because 90% of 
of people's net worth is built into real estate. So mm -hmm. if it does become a time that people can't get into the first time home buyer market, then yeah, we do have a large problem. Yes, I believe the institutional buyers are playing a role in it, making it harder. However, people will still need a house, right? There's still that that gap in that segment that families in apartment or a condo does not work for them, a townhome they don't want. And while the institutional buyers are scooping up a lot of property, they are also providing for the most part, a home that somebody can rent for less than what their mortgages are going to be with the current interest rates. So there is some good with the bad of them acquiring a lot of doors. All right. Let me just remind everybody. Uh, we're on with Tyler Kreitz. He's a broker with TK Realty uh, discussing the, the housing crunch. And I believe it's a crunch because we're seeing less houses on the market. Uh, we're seeing less of them sell and prices are high. So we're going to continue that discussion as well as why people don't want to move. And I have my own suspicions on that, but I want to get your take on it straight ahead. Let me give the phone number to the audience. Uh, if you have a question for Tyler Christ, give us a call. We're talking about the housing situation in the United States. The phone number is 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at Night. With Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. Welcome back. Our guest is Tyler Christ. We're talking about real estate and why nobody wants to move right now. People are making offers all over the place. Uh, there are brokers out there making offers, uh, banks that are looking to pick up people's homes, maybe not as much as before, but people are saying, nope. And I say it's because where are they going to go? <laughs> if you're not giving them a whole lot above asking and market value, um, where do they end up? Because there's not a lot of inventory and everything's expensive. Tyler Kreiss. Yeah, I, I mean, I I completely agree. It's, it is hard to get somebody to want to move if they purchased a house from really 2019 until now. If they're locked into an interest rate that's, that's sub 4%, yeah. and they haven't had a significant life change, they haven't added to their family, they are not aging out of the home. There's not a job move or a divorce. It is really hard to convince somebody, hey, you need to sell your house. Because even if you capture those equity gains that you've gotten from 2019 to today, you're still got to find somewhere to live. And the inventory is growing. You know, it is increased month over month as we've got into 2023, as we, you know, we're getting into a more stable market, but it's still low. We, we, we have a shortage. No, I get that. What is your advice um, to somebody that's like, look, um, 
Should I wait? Do you think the market cools or should I buy right away? Cause it's only going to get worse. Uh, what's your take on how the market plays out? So I'm a big proponent of if you can take advantage of a growing inventory and you have the ability and the income to take that next step and find your next house or your dream house to go ahead and do it because I don't believe these interest rates are going to stay above 7% for more than 18 to 24 months. So if you can get into the house that you're going to love and you know you're going to be in it five years plus, then go ahead and make the jump and bear the higher payments for two years. And that's what this market is, is doing for a lot of people that are choosing to move and to buy right now. They can, they can afford the higher payment and they see the picture at the end of the day to refi later. Um, a lot of lenders you'll hear say, love the house, hate the rate, refinance later. Um, it is a real story. Folks, again, we're on with Tyler Kreese. And I, I, I think it's um, so interesting that we, we, we're in this, I don't know, it almost feels like we're in a bubble. Um, I don't mm-hmm. think it's really a bubble, but do you, if we are in a bubble, does this bubble burst? So one outside looking in, you would suspect, hey, maybe it's going to burst. However, like when we look at the data for 2023 and we're comparing it to 2022, we had record price increases, you know, during COVID and really until July 2022. And we had record low inventory. Our inventories increased year over year by we were at a 2.9 months in June of 2022. We're at a little over three months nationally and our sales prices are down less than a half percent or less than 1% year over year. So even with an increase in inventory and slower sales, the sales prices are sticking around. So I wouldn't say it's a (laughs) housing bubble or a crisis. I think what we're looking at today is a, stabilization of the housing market because of how fast our home prices raised rose in two years. Right. So the new normal for now. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah. It's the new normal. I mean, it wasn't a sustainable market in 2021 where we could list a house. It's under contract in three days and you got 40 offers. Yeah. Right. It was great. We were eventually going to get here where, where it cooled. Yes. And, and people just forget a, most of the time because it was so fast and furious for so long in two years. And we had 10 years of low interest rates that now that we're into, you know, somewhat higher interest rates than we're used to. And we're in a little bit more days on the market, the market I'm in, we're still under 40 days on the market and our average sales price is 2% less than it was a year ago. I say it's a win. Yeah. Wow. All right. That's uh, that's just crazy. All right, Tyler Kreese, I want you to stick with me. We're going to come right back to you, folks. Uh, the phone number again, Open Phone America is coming up uh, right at the top of the hour, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. When we come back, we're going to wrap up and uh, then move into your phone calls. So don't go anywhere. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S.
Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. All right, America. And not too long ago, I uh, read this article that indicated that Miami had become like the hottest place to uh, to buy a place. And I've been looking at places in Miami Beach for quite a while. And the longer I look, the more they cost. <laughs> and I feel like it's a I keep saving more, trying to save more, trying to catch up. And uh, I don't know if it's it's going to happen. Miami Beach is looking to become uh, or seems like it's becoming very untouchable from the real estate perspective. Our guest is Tyler Kreese. And uh, Tyler, what's your thought on the Miami market in the two and a half minutes we have remaining? Do you think that cools at all? Because it's, you know, a a very popular adult playground uh, that really kind of exploded during COVID. Or is that also a a correction in the market that you think they're just going to stay high like that? So I think most of the markets, Miami and, and other unique markets across the United States that you can't replace, you can't go out of Miami and say, oh, I live in Miami, right? You have a right. no, scarcity there, of land. And if, yeah, and yeah, you're, you're there, you're not. You have a scarcity of land. You have a scarcity of buildings and properties that you can buy. So generally when you have that in the real estate market, the prices are going to stay high just because it, it can't easily be replaced. And yeah, it's it's almost like the new new Hollywood, right? The people are flocking there. The prices are great. I love Miami. It, it's a good place to be. So I don't see it going anywhere. However, the only segment of the real estate market that has dropped that you see pretty significant drops in the Airbnb revenue, right? So mm-hmm. when you look at the Airbnb revenue for 2023, it's down almost 50% in a lot of markets. So in there is a potential, not necessarily Miami, I'm saying nationally. Uh, so generally. if there's a heavy amount of Airbnbs that aren't doing well in Miami, then yes, I see you'll have an inventory uptick there. However, I'm not well versed enough to know if they specifically have those issues in Miami, but it's a great place to be. Hopefully you find one. Yeah, I hope so too. All right. So Tyler Christ, let everybody know if they want to uh, list a property with you or learn more about the work that you do, how do they find out more about you? Yeah. So I have a list with TK.com also a YouTube channel called selling Dallas Fort Worth. And you can find me on all social media platforms that either by my name, Tyler Christ, or by our company tagline, which is list with TK and yeah, just feel free to reach out. My cell phone number is on most of my social media sites, so you can reach me directly. Outstanding. Well, Tyler Christ with TK Realty, I want to thank you. Make sure you check him out, folks. His website, again, is listwithtk.com, listwithtk.com. Great yeah. conversation. I really do appreciate it. Yeah, Rich, thank you for having me on, and I uh, hope we can do it again sometime. You bet, my man. Thanks. Now, folks, we're going to continue our conversations on all the hot topics of the day straight ahead, plus your calls. 833-4-VALDEZ is the phone number, 833-482-5337. Open Phone America is uh, always one of my favorites, and I'm glad we're going to have we're going to get a chance to do it today because when we started talking about the deep state earlier and we said we were going to bring Rudy Giuliani on, all of a sudden the phone stopped working. That was very unfortunate. Thankfully, uh, 
they started working again. But uh, I'm always suspicious of how those things happen. Always a little bit skeptical. The deep state doesn't like me, and they definitely don't like Rudy Giuliani. Anyway, we're going to continue with our program straight ahead. Don't go anywhere. I am Rich Valdez. city that never sleeps 17 miles from madison square garden new york city it's america at night with rich valdez america's favorite late night talk program featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across america and now here is your host rich valdez Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, your liberty-loving Latino amigo. Happy to be here with you. Join our conversation. I invite you to. Please do. It's always a pleasure to speak with you. Our late-night national town hall conversation. And you can do that by calling 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. And that is Valdez with an S, just like social media, where I'm at Rich Valdez with an S on all of the platforms. And uh, we had a little couple of technical issues tonight, uh, but we don't let that uh, stop us. We're back up and running. The deep state can't get us, uh, can't keep us down for long. So uh, feel free to, to join us. Uh, the phone lines are open and I see that we have several people holding it. I'm going to get to you in a moment, but I wanted to um, just go over some of the headlines. And of course, we had a really good conversation on the housing situation in the United States. We also talked about the impact or import, I should say, of communism in American film, the example that we tossed around with Barbie, uh, but how the, the communists are afoot and they are trying to make their mark in American cinema, in American media, in American uh, public education, American higher education, that there is an onslaught uh, on our institutions and it's nothing short of a cultural revolution, in my opinion. So that is um, part of uh, what we discussed. Then we have more. We um, also uh, were, were scheduled to speak with Mayor Rudy Giuliani. He was only available until 11 p.m. Eastern. And uh, lamentably, the deep state had us down during that time. So we'll work on rescheduling America's mayor to come back. He's always a fun guest. He's been on a few times, and he's uh, um, happy to say he's an old friend. He's a, he's a, he's a former colleague and, uh, and a great American. So I, I did announce that he would be joining us, and he will eventually. Just uh, won't be tonight at 10 o'clock <laughs> like we thought. But we're going to get to your calls momentarily. They've added some charges to former President Trump, uh, with a third indictment, if you will, but it's the same case, so it's not really a new indictment. It's just additional counts on the additional, uh, on the existing charges that have already been made. So um, we went over that a little bit earlier in detail. I don't think we need to cover it twice. If you missed it, though, you can always check out anything that you've missed on this program by going to richvaldezamericaatnight.com. Rich Valdez, America at night.com. 
and uh, you can listen to individual shows. You can listen to the archive shows. You can also click subscribe and um, download our podcast for free, absolutely free. You can listen to it anytime you want from anywhere on demand listening, and I encourage you to do that as well. Um, and of course, the reminder, right? If I, I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't remind you that this program, the podcast of this live radio broadcast is available every day about an hour after the show wraps up. And a lot of people start the show or listen to part of the show while they're at work or whatever and want to listen to the full show so they go back and listen to the podcast the next day. Well, because of all of you and all of the support and growth that we've had in the podcast, we have been nominated for a People's Choice Podcast Award in the area of uh, I think it's called government and organizations category for our coverage of government or the government and the goings on in government and various organizations. And I want to encourage you, if you have a moment, go to podcastawards.com and click on the blue button in the middle of the screen and you can register your email to vote so that we can win this uh, People's Choice Podcast Award. So uh, if you want to do that, go to a uh, podcast awards, plural, dot com, podcast awards with an S dot com and register your email so that you can vote for America at night with Rich Valdez. Now, we will um, continue with everything uh, that we have scheduled for you guys. And that includes your calls. Now, my call screen is not visible to me, but I have them in front of me here in my handy-dandy little screen. And I see we've got Matt, who's near Moorhead City, North Carolina, on WTKF. Matt, go right ahead. Yes, sir. How are you doing, Rich? I'm doing great, brother. Thank you for asking. How are you? Good. Okay. I'm in air conditioning, luckily. Yeah, <laughs> anyway. Amen to that. Me, too. It was 90-something degrees <laughs> yeah, today. I agree. I was talking to Tom about that. But um, that woman before uh, 11 o'clock was very excellent. Uh, the clip oh, that you're talking about Lauren Conlon. Uh, no, no. The, 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 the woman who was talking about Jason Aldean's song. Remember? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. The woman on Instagram. You know what? Just for the yeah, sake of anybody who's joining the show now. Show. Stand by. I want everybody to hear it. It's not that long. Listen to this. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we're going to play it just so that everybody knows what you're talking about, because I agree with you. She made an excellent, excellent point. Check this out. Jason Alding. So I want to listen to the song, Try That in a Small Town, that everybody was saying was so racist, and he was like targeting black people and poor us again, right? There was nothing racist about that damn song. Let me tell you what I got from the song. It sounded like to me he was basically telling you, you cannot come to a small town and commit crimes and do whatever the f*** you want, or you're not going to make it too far down the road before somebody f*** you up. He's, to me, singing about community the way it should be in these big cities. This is why in a big city somebody can kidnap your child and nobody says nothing. No snitching, no snitching, no snitching. They got a community there in small towns. They look out for each other. That's what he's saying. That, to be honest, we need to be more like that. And because we're not, that's why y'all took that as racist. There was nothing racist about that. 
How did y'all get that he was talking about black people? You know why y'all thought he was talking about black people? Because y'all are nothing like that. That's why. Yet, y'all take these rappers of today and let them talking about raping women, drugging women, killing kids and grandmothers and killing each other, and y'all give them awards. Y'all clap for them. Best award, best award. But then when a white man talk about standing up for his community and, and, and living in a small town and how they love on each other and look out for their neighbors, y'all took that and said, he's targeting black people. What? The mother that's targeting you is the other fellow black people. That's who's targeting you. This world is so weird, it don't make no sense. Black people, you're projecting, you're projecting. He wasn't talking to y'all. Unless you about to come down there and try to do some weird like rob one of them or something. Then yes, he's talking to you. He's also talking to other white people that grew up in the city that'll go down there in the town and try to something up. They don't allow that there as they shouldn't. Yep, they shouldn't. And she's right. And uh, I think this is um, such a good example of, of a real response. This is just a person on Instagram or um, uh, TikTok that was making this statement, Matt. And that's what you were referring to. Go right ahead. Yes. Oh, here's another one. Um, around here in this small farm town, some guy about, I don't know, eight years ago, uh, busted into the, our local post office and left blood DNA. He's doing a hard time. Another woman, young lady, sold somebody. I know, an idiot, right? Unbelievable. <laughs> I'm going to rob the post office. Woman, I'm going to leave blood behind. <laughs> who does Federal that? crime. And another woman, a young lady who I knew when she was growing up. Um, so I'm, I'm old, you know. So she sold some uh, another young couple fentanyl. She's doing a hard time. We don't wow. put up with this in this farm town, man. Yeah, and you shouldn't. I, I, I love what she said because she's right. She said we have to adopt a small town mentality, even if you're in a big city. And you do. And you see, I, I grew up in Brooklyn, New York. That's a pretty big place, right? New York City is probably one of the biggest cities ever. And, uh, but we had that small town vibe. My neighbors knew my parents. They knew me. We all knew each other. Uh, I was very polite to everybody and, and, you know, used the right honorific. Uh, it wasn't like it is today where people are like, Hey Jack, how you doing? Gene? Good to see you. Pepe. It, it just, it, we have over casualized society to the point where respect is not even, um, it, it's gone beyond being optional. It's, it's almost like obsolete for so many people. And it's it's just disgusting what I, the the things that we see today. Things are so out of hand, Matt. And and I don't know how we we get back. Uh, I don't know if we do or we don't. You know. But I would love for us to see uh, a time in America where we get back to the way things were. Uh, maybe when I was a kid. And maybe that's wishful thinking uh, or unfair thinking on my behalf that I'm not willing to go with the times. But I don't believe that the the times now are better than they were when I was a kid. I think it was better back then where people were more honest with one another, more um, forthright, more forthcoming, more just helpful and, and, and neighborly and, and fraternal. It just, it was a better time. Uh, at least that's my opinion. Yes, sir. Well, Matt, I thank you, brother. I appreciate your insight. And I, I love the story that you shared that, the guy went and robbed the, the post office and got caught. What an idiot. That's just, <laughs> that's like a story I would read in this third hour. Uh, anyway, thank you, brother. I appreciate it. Big shout out to you and everybody in uh, WTKF land. We're going to continue with your calls and more straight ahead. 
This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. Welcome back. Uh, we are discussing all sorts of things tonight. And of course, the phone lines are open. We're going to go to your calls, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDES. I want to go to talk about a little bit of 2024 politics with our buddy Gil in Manila, Philippines. Gil, Welcome. Yes, uh, Rich. Long time no talk. I'm I'm getting over bronchitis. Just like I had bronchitis had. too about four weeks ago. I know. I think I got it from you over the phone. From but, over, um, over the radio. <laughs> yeah, that's but, terrific. Uh, well, I'm I, glad you're better. I, I but uh, I'm 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 pretty well healed up now. Well, good. I've got a good doctor. But anyhow, uh, I wish I wanted to talk well, about. Before you get into that, uh, I want to know. I, how did you treat the bronchitis? Was it just um, uh, like an antibiotic to prevent the pneumonia and and like steroids or what? What what'd they give you? I got the antibiotics, uh, a good strong antibiotic uh, from the states made by Smith Klein Beecham, and mm-hmm. also he gave me something called carbocysteine with zinc, and the carbocysteine. Oh, breaks breaks up the phlegm and you know yep. you're you're ge- you're getting rid of the phlegm naturally through the with the carbocysteine and I, I took it for seven days and it worked yeah i took um the generic for mucinex and that helped a lot too but yeah it was i was really amazed at how strong this i've i've had bronchitis once before and it was like a couple of days this lasted a, a, a good 10 days of like cough and and pain and that burning feeling when you breathe. And it was rough. It was rough. But anyway, I was just really curious because uh, it was definitely related to the bad allergy season we've had this year. And I was curious to, you know, see what how it was for you. All right. You wanted to talk about some 2024 politics. Go right ahead. Yeah. Um, I, I'm pretty sure that Mr. Trump is going to get the nomination. Uh, number one. And uh, I was thinking about good vice presidential candidates for him. Um, the two that come to mind for me is uh, the uh, uh, Vivek, uh, the gentleman uh, yeah, who was of uh, Indian. Vivek Ramaswamy. He's, he's been on your. Yeah, Maraswamy. Um, he's quite a guy. Uh, got yeah, a, he's very good. Degree from Harvard and a, and, and a Yale and a Yale. Uh, uh, Law degree. JD is a lawyer from Yale, and uh, made almost a billion dollars in uh, in the private sector. 
so he could uh, self fund, but um, he would get all the all of the um, uh, contributions from the uh, Indian community in the United States, and you know they they got a lot of money. They they could help uh, help them along. And the other one is uh, is someone I know by the name of Will Hurd, who's who's announced. Uh, he was a congressman. Hold on a second. Congressman Will Hurd is running for president. Yes. I didn't know that. Or maybe I did, and I and I just laughed at it. Go ahead. Well, um, he's quite a guy. Um, he, he he was a three-term uh, congressman. He didn't run for the fourth term. Uh, and he's African-American. He's black. And 85, 90% of his constituents are Hispanic or Mexican-Americans. <laughs> he, he beat... Uh, he beat a Mexican American candidate in that district three times. And that district encompasses part of El Paso. So I'm, I live there and I'm just pretty sure. But, yeah. I, I, you're still there? I think we lost you. Well, anyway, I don't know much about Will Hurd, but I do know that he, um, I, I saw him on, I think it was on The View, and he said something like, Donald Trump is a national security threat. <laughs> and I thought, man, just stop. Really, just stop. You know, I mean, he said it with such uh, with such drama. And I thought, save the drama for your mama, sir. That's uh, it's come on. What national security threat did he pose? I mean, do we not learn from anything? Do we not learn from the media saying if Donald Trump is elected president, we will be in, in World War Three? World War Three. They predicted we'd be at war with Russia. They predicted we'd be at war with uh, China, with uh, with with um, Kim Jong Un, North Korea. I'm mean, it, it just absolutely astounding to me how not only did it, from the last couple of presidents he signed, you know, got the Abraham Accord signed, literally peace in the Middle East, a, a peace treaty, uh, but of course no new wars and. And it just and he invested heavily in restoring the military. And, and I just think, you know, of 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 all the people in the world uh, to, to he's just not the one. Right. He's not the one you should come after that way. But but that's where we are. And, and Will Hurd is saying that he's a national security threat. I, I don't buy it. So. Gil, are you there? Did we lose you? Did you get? Oh, you're back. Go ahead. Yeah, look at the things that Pete Buttigieg said about Joe Biden. He gets a cabinet post. So, I mean, politics is politics, and rhetoric yeah. is rhetoric. And uh, when it comes, when it when the rubber meets the road, that you got to try to balance your ticket. And I agree with that. All of the things that people accuse Trump of. You know, putting an African-American on your ticket or an Indian-American on your ticket sure looks good to me. So. I agree with that. And I do think uh, Ramaswamy will likely be that person if if he's willing to accept that position. Makes a lot of sense. Anyway, folks, don't go anywhere. Gil, thank you, brother. Great talking to you. I'm sorry your phone cut out for a minute. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere.
All right, America, welcome back. It's Rich Valdez. Yes, it's still me. And uh, we are going to continue with your calls as we uh, work our way across the country from city to city. But I did want to uh, bring to your attention that there was a hearing today on gender-affirming care. Now, I want to make it clear, and I have many times, but again tonight, I want to just clarify my position here. I don't believe you are affirming care of any minor today or yesterday or ever by telling them that they should become the opposite sex. Just telling you. I don't think that that's the right way to handle this. I say that to any doctor, to any parent, to any anyone. Don't do it. It's a mistake. Why? Because we've spoken with enough people who've done it and detransitioned to, to, to prove to me that this is a bad idea. But Chloe Cole, she uh, transitioned from female to male as a teenager and had a double mastectomy and, and just underwent um, lots of, of hormone therapy and then decided, you know what? I'm not going to kill myself like the doctor said, and I don't want to do this anymore. And she decided to go back to being a girl. And today she testified in front of Congress, and we've got a couple of clips of her. I want you to listen to this. So what message do I want to bring to American teenagers and their families? I didn't need to be lied to. I needed compassion. I needed to be loved. I needed to be given therapy to help me work through my issues, not affirm to my delusion that by transforming into a boy, it would solve all my problems. We need to stop telling 12-year-olds that they were born wrong, that they are right to reject their own bodies and feel uncomfortable with their own skin. We need to stop telling children that puberty is an option, that they can choose what kind of puberty they will go through, just so they can choose what clothes to wear or what music to listen to. Puberty is a rite of passage to adulthood, not a disease to be mitigated. That's Chloe Cole. She's a detransitioner, and she is terrific. Uh, I love her courage. I salute her when I hear this because she's done an amazing job at really, I think, encapsulating how dangerous this is to tell people that puberty is uh, not optional. And we have to stop that. And she didn't stop there. She went on, and I want you to listen to this. Today, I should be at home with my family celebrating my 19th birthday. And instead, I'm making a desperate plea to my elected, re- my elected representatives. Learn the lessons from other medical scandals like the opioid process. To recognize that doctors are human too, and sometimes they are wrong. My childhood was ruined along with thousands of detransitioners that I know through our networks. This needs to stop. You alone can stop it. Enough children have already been victimized by this barbaric pseudoscience. Please let me be your final warning. Remarkable. Absolutely remarkable what she's talking about. And it reminds me of uh, of a guest that we had on not too long ago who also had transitioned and lived many years uh, as, as the other sex, the other gender. And it, it's just so important, I feel that that we we approach this honestly but there's always going to be the advocates that are against this or that are you know against children being what they were born as and think that they should be able to identify as whatever they want and 
saying that there's lots of benefit to what they call gender affirming care, saying that, you know, you avoid anxiety, depression and suicidality as as uh, this is a deterrent to those things by one removing their breast surgically and, and having other surgeries and, and hormone therapy. And I, I take exception to that, but I want you to hear Shannon Minter, legal director uh, with the uh, National Council of La Raza and explaining why this is important. What are the benefits of receiving gender affirming care? They're enormous. They, they produce positive mental health outcomes for these young people. They dramatically improve, improve their quality of life. They do better in school. They develop positive social relationships. We heard that with Ms. Reynolds' testimony. Their relationships with their family improves. And their gender dysphoria is alleviated. And any depression, anxiety, suicidality is dramatically reduced. Uh, there's a, a study from 2022 that found a 73% reduction in suicidality among kids who had received this treatment. So some people say, look, we're, we're, we're saving lives. I would say, look, I don't think you're saving lives. I think you're think, making things worse. Uh, but this is why we have the, the, the issues that we have, right? We have uh, we're at an impasse where people think this is good, and then you have others that don't. Uh, Congressman Wesley Hunt was at this hearing today, and um, he made a great point, saying, "Look, you can't always offer these choices to your children, right? There, there are certain things that you could always bank on your children choosing the wrong thing, like, um, like you know what they should be eating versus." Um, you know, healthy snacks versus wholesome ones. But um, listen to Wesley Hunt. If my children had their way, they would have ice cream for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and for every single meal in between. Oh, the wisdom of children. But in a sane country, we know that children are mature enough to make adult decisions that will impact the rest of their lives. That's why we have parents. Children cry for ice cream, but as parents... We have the wisdom to know that ice cream is not in their best interest, particularly their long-term interest. 100% right. It's, uh, this is not uh, just not in their interest. This is bad, right? This is bad. This, this harms their potential future interests and, and limits the amount of life that they may potentially have. And, and, and there's a million studies out there, not a million, but many, that show that this stuff doesn't ultimately help. People are just as suicidal later on. So what are we really doing here other than allowing people to uh, punish themselves in many ways? And to me, it just is unfair. I want people to be well, not to be ill. Anyway, I want to go to the phones very quickly. Uh, Let's go to Abrams calling from Long Island, New York, listening online. Go right ahead. All Hello, right. can you hear me? Yes, loud and clear. Go right ahead. All right, Abrams, are you there? Yeah, can you hear me? Yes, go for it quickly. Oh, sorry. Just talk. Um, so you were talking about um, a lot of transgenderisms and stuff like that, and that is personally in what my family has been affected by. Um, <clears throat> I had a daughter, Jaren. 
uh, Jaren mm-hmm. Dominguez, and she um, was normal her life and such. And once she got into high school, she got affected by a lot of these ideologies, if you, if you understand what I'm saying. And yeah. she got into a lot of drugs and psychedelics and started to identify as Jared Dominguez. And um, it, it negatively affected my family a lot because we, we didn't really understand where she was coming from or what happened. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. And we, and we understood, you know, as, par- as a parent, it, it's very hard to understand, like, when your kid gets into drugs and stuff like that. But we tried to be accepting and stuff, but on top of everything, on top of, like, trying to process her addiction or, I'm sorry, his addiction and the name change and stuff, she or he had formerly been very into boxing, yes? And Mm -hmm. in his local gym, he wanted to spar women. And uh, Jared, uh, sorry, Jalen Dominguez, he started to refuse not to spar like women, and he was getting a lot of women very hurt in the gym. And I would just like oh, to hear your opinion on the effects of transgenderism and psychedelics on local communities, uh, Rich. Now, when you say psychedelics, what are you talking about in particular? What kinds of drugs? Now, I'm not too familiar with psychedelics such. I know I, we had caught Jalen with... Uh, mushrooms and such. Oh, yeah, those are psychedelics. Um, well, listen, first I'll tell you, uh, I don't envy the position that you're in, but I feel, you know, horrible. Um, kudos to you and, you know, prayers for strength for you and your family. It's got to be difficult to go through that, in particular for for your child who's going through this period of conflict. Uh, I, I can only imagine how challenging it is for them and the courage that your child needs in order to to feel like I've got to face my family, I've got to face the world, I've got to go through all this. And, and in in listening to the the audio we heard earlier from Chloe Cole and what I've heard from her in the past, this is very challenging uh, for them because they they don't like certain aspects of their being. Uh, but all that being said, I think you're you have to support your kid. It doesn't necessarily mean agree with what they're doing, but you have to provide a, a level of support to maintain that trust where they can say, you know what, maybe I'm making the wrong decision. Maybe I, I want to seek the advice of someone else and hopefully get them that advice. We had a guest on this program uh, called, his name was Walt Heyer, H-E-Y-E-R. And Walt had a website, sexchangeregret.com. And let me tell you, this was a great uh, tool. He had a lot of excellent resources there. There were a lot of people there that could relate and help and offer support. And he's helped with the detransition of many individuals going, you know, back to their uh, biological sex. So, you know, if that can be a benefit for you, I, I recommend you take a look at it. But it, it's a, a tough situation, right? I, I come from a way of thinking, my philosophy is twofold when it comes to these issues. Number one, I should never hate somebody because they choose to sin differently than I do. And of course, the old adage, you can hate the sin all you want, but you can't hate the sinner. And and nor should we. So if we see somebody that lives a, a lifestyle that's contrary to the one that we believe in, 
or that is in our faith estimation considered to be sinful. Uh, the, the goal here is not to judge or to hurt or to harm in any way, but to help and, and to come alongside and support and provide some sort of stability to, so that to help them get through this difficult time. And I think really helping someone is by offering them the truth. Really helping someone is by showing them that love that says, look, I love you as the person that you are. You don't have to become something else. So um, that would be my advice to you, Abrams. And uh, I really appreciate the call because, it, you know, I'm sure it's not easy to, to deal with that on a regular basis. But I'm going to take a pause here because we have to come back uh, right after this break. But I do, again, thank you for the call from Montauk, New York, and wish you the best. Godspeed, my man. Don't go anywhere. We're coming right back. This is America at Night. With Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. America at night with Rich Valdez. A big question is, is there ideology contemporary with the times? And this is the true political question of who we are as a country and who we can be. Because I would much rather have an 80-year-old Joe Biden than a President Ron DeSantis who reflects the cultural movement that's 80 years old. And and I think Mm, that's the most important thing. Do we have... And Joe Biden and our Supreme Court justices and our Senate leaders, our House leaders, do we have people who are fit for office and capable of leading the nation? But most importantly, does their outlook for the nation and does their ideology match who we are today and who we can be as a nation? DeSantis represents the ideology of 80 years ago. I'm guessing I do, too. But uh, I'd never thought of it that way. And I still don't see the um, the correlation between DeSantis and 80 years ago. I got to be honest. I just don't see it. But maybe somebody out there in Radio Land sees it. Let's make our way to the middle of the country, Montana, K-O-F-I. Let's go to Frank in Evergreen, Montana. Frank, welcome. You're on with Rich Valdez. Hi, Rich. You know, I wouldn't want to go back into time uh, like 120 years ago or, you know, in the early days of Montana, the Klan was very active. Yes, we mm-hmm. had small towns, but but we didn't have small town lawyers. They were corporate lawyers from the big cities, and uh, it just made life miserable. You know, it just uh, there wasn't really justice for all here, but justice for oh, none. I agree. But right, 120 years ago, you had women that couldn't vote. Black people that that were still living a, a completely different life. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you. We we don't want that. And I think that's where the, the comparison for me was unfair when they're saying that DeSantis represents something that's from 80 years ago or even like you're saying 120 years ago. Uh, I agree with you. I, I don't want to go back to that era either. It was painful for, for uh, our American brothers and sisters that are, are darker. And it was uh, just a horrible time. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that one. Uh, I'm, I'm glad that we've made so much progress in, in the years since. You know, in, 
south of Bozeman, there's an area called Big Sky Resort, and it's, it's a small little community, but of the, the wealthiest people in the world. Uh, they have these condos that probably pay almost a quarter of a million dollars to just for the initiation fees and other fees just to be there for a year. But it's, uh, you know, uh, they're the ruling class. It seems like in every everywhere you go in, in the world, it seems like the most oppressive people live at higher altitudes. And, uh, and it's a trickle-down economy. I haven't noticed that, but it does make uh, it does make for good conversation. Frank in Evergreen, Montana, I want to thank you for the call and for your insight. Always good to hear your voice. It's been a while. And we're going to continue with the rest of your call straight ahead. We're going to go to Texas and other places. Don't go anywhere. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Welcome back. We're wrapping up our conversations across America. And I want to check in with our friend uh, David. He's in Dallas, Texas on KLIF. David, welcome. Go right ahead. Oh, thank you so much, Richard. A pleasure to speak with you, and I'll be quick. I just wanted to reference back to your caller from last hour. Rich, I just want your thoughts. This seems like he was advocating 08 all over again when investors purchase properties and they now to my understanding own about 25 to 30 percent of all like single family homes and things of this Mm -hmm. nature and they're renting them out he seemed to frame it like it's a good thing when they purchase cash for homes they are raising home prices and valuations that's not good to rent i just wanted to know if you you know kind of saw it that way that's like shades of 08 all over again yeah i took it as he's a um Realtor. <laughs> so his thing was, uh, we're getting people into homes that I think he was putting a positive spin on it, saying like, you know, people, if they want to live, in, if they can't get the American dream, at least they could still live in a nice neighborhood in a nice house in, in uh, a fraction of the cost. But I agree that kind of robs you of the American dream. And, and if that's what you're looking for. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I, I agree with you when when he said that that was the only part of it. And I don't think it was I just think that was just his opinion of saying, hey, look, it's not bad to rent in from these places. But I do agree if you're purchasing everything up. And that was funny. It was my sidebar conversation during the break with our producer. I was saying, you know, it, it's it seems like we shouldn't have banks in the real estate business per se. So uh, I'm with you on that one. And I think when when banks aren't out there buying up everything that they're going to eventually sell and lend you the money for, it's a better market for the buyer. So I think you're 100% right on that, David. Anyway, thank you for the call. I appreciate it. All right. The music means I've got to go. But I do thank you all for tuning in tonight. Hasta la próxima. Until the next time, take care, good night, and God bless. I am Rich Valdez. And we're going to do it all again tomorrow, God willing. Stay right here. There's more to come. 
the Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.